You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Welcome to this episode of Mike Seminary and Friends. Today, my guest is me. I've done this once before. The very first, the inaugural episode actually was just me, kind of teeing up for you what this is going to be about. Uh, And so today I decided I just want to kind of cover three different things. First of all, you're listening to this more than likely as we're sandwiched in between this wonderful holiday season of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. So I would encourage everyone to take time to take inventory of all the ways you've been blessed. We all have been. And this is a perfect time of year to do that. Spend quality time with the people that you love and just enjoy the abundance that we we are blessed to have in this country. Second, as always, if you have guests that you'd like to hear on Mike's Seminary and Friends, or if you would like to uh, be a guest on my podcast, let me know. Send me an email at mikeseminary at gmail.com, mikeseminary at gmail.com. The third thing I'm going to cover, and this is really a first, while during a couple of episodes during the course of, it's almost two years now that we've been airing Mike Seminary and Friends, we've kind of approached the subject of politics, have never spent a lot of time there for for a variety variety of reasons. And many of you know that I have that in my background as a former city commissioner and a mayor and a guy that served on so many committees and boards, in fact, still do serve on a number of boards. I haven't spent much time on politics. It's just gotten to be such a difficult thing to to discuss. In fact, I gleefully uh, share when people say, Mike, why don't you do some episodes on politics? I say, say, you know, I'd I'd rather do an episode on the latest colonoscopy procedures complete with pictures. I'd rather do that than talk about politics because it's just so divisive. And I hope, I hope, hope we can move ahead with this most recent election because there's no mandate there. It's pretty much a 50-50 split country. Why don't we really start working together to do what's best for the people of our country? That said, one of my heroes and mentors uh, was my father, my mother and my father. And my dad uh, took the time to write letters to our congressional delegation. And I have a copy of every single one of them. And there's quite a few. But I, I want to share a particular letter that my dad wrote, uh, in part some of the responses that he received from the congressional delegation. And this is back in the mid-90s when it was Senator Byron Dorgan, Senator Kent Conrad, and Congressman Earl Pomeroy. Uh, and we were going through... Kind of the same thing that we're going through right now, because history does really repeat itself in politics. But to tee it up, just want to share a couple things with you before I get to the letters that were written and then responded to in February and March of 1994. We have raised the debt ceiling 78 times since 1960. 
and, and it, we do it on both. Doesn't matter who's in power. We've done it both sides of the aisle. We've raised it seventy-eight times, and essentially, what that means, we raise the debt ceiling so we can spend more money. That's that's really what, what we're doing. They talk about, oh, we're going to be a, so close to defaulting, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a way to spend more money, frankly. We currently have $31 trillion of debt. $31 trillion. More importantly, $162 trillion of unfunded liabilities. So in other words, we have bills that are coming that we're going to have to pay to the tune of $162 trillion, but they're unfunded. So we've got to find a way to fund them. For each citizen, the tab is $93,900 on that $31 trillion. Per taxpayer, because only about 50% of the people in the country pay taxes, that's $248,000. So we have $162 trillion of unfunded liabilities, $31 trillion of current debt, and... I don't think we're going to stop that anytime soon. So here's the letter that my dad wrote. All three members of the delegation received pretty much the same letter. This was written February 3rd, 1994. And then he resent it March 10th, 1994, because he had not heard uh, from, in this case, Senator Conrad. Dear Senator Conrad, I am writing to you again about President Clinton's health care reform proposal. While I support many of the president's ideas to provide universal health care, I cannot support the plan in its current form and urge you to do the same. I want you to know what I support. I support universal health care, including the expansion of the current employer-based system of providing health insurance through an employer-employee agreement, portability of coverage, insurance reforms, including guaranteed availability and renewability of coverage, reducing administrative costs through standard claim forms and electronic billing, tort and medical malpractice reform, and allowing the entire industry to compete on a level playing field, ensuring maximum competition and ultimate consumer choice. As you may know, I have nearly 40 years of experience in the life and health insurance business, and I honestly believe, and by the way, this is Mike Semmery speaking, when he says the next thing, he's absolutely, he was absolutely correct. I believe I know more about health care than President Clinton or Mrs. Clinton. In closing, I ask that you assure me and my family that whatever universal health plan you vote for will be as good or better than the plan you now have as a senator. And then he added, by the way, are you in favor of a balanced budget amendment? Are you going to support Senator Paul Simon or Senator Robert Byrd and why? Please allow me to hear from you soon. I look forward to hearing from you. Sincerely, James R. Seminary. 
So that's the letter that all three members of, or a version of it, of the delegation received from my dad, James R. Seminary, in February and March of 1994. My dad was an independent salesman, a regional director for an insurance company, but he really earned his uh, living, his keep, by being a consummate sales professional. He knew the insurance industry really well. At the time that he died, he had been involved in the business over 50 years, and he was very, very good at it. He had an assistant by the name of Dixie that would take his handwritten letters, type them up. He'd proofread them and send them off. He didn't have a staff to do research for him. He did all of this on his own, why? Because he was concerned. He loved our country. He loved the process. He, he, he was pretty much a nonpartisan guy. Uh, he voted for people on both sides of the aisle. And my dad was really special. So here is a response from Senator Dorgan. Remember, all three members of the delegation received this letter. Here's his dated March 18, 1994. Dear Jim, Thank you for contacting me about the balanced budget amendment. It was good to hear from you again. I, I got to tell you something. I have had the great pleasure of getting to know and meeting uh, all three members of the delegation, in this case, Senator Dorgan, Conrad, and Congressman Pomeroy. And when I met them, when I moved to Bismarck, uh, and they asked me what my name asked me what my name was, and I said Mike Seminary. They inevitably said, "Are you related to Jim or James Seminary?" I said, "That's my dad." Oh, you know, he writes us letters. So it was good to hear from you again. We need a balanced budget amendment to force the hard financial choices on our government. I'm going to read that again. We need a balanced budget amendment to force the hard financial choices. On our government, the president and Congress have demonstrated an inability to balance the budget. While we made good progress last year using the outline of President Clinton's deficit reduction plan, I still favor this amendment because it would provide more fiscal discipline. I won't read any more of the letter because in a minute I'm going to get to his speech because he closes it with, I have enclosed my speech on the Senate floor during the balanced budget amendment debate. It will give you more of my reasons for voting as I did. Before I do that, I want to get to Senator Conrad's response to my father. Dated March 21st, 1994. Dear Jim, I'm not going to read it all because the senator had his staffer, and that's the way it usually works. His staffer writes these letters. It's a four-pager. It's a very, very lengthy, detailed letter. Thank you for contacting me to express your views on health care reform and the balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. I appreciate hearing from you. I share many of your concern about President Clinton's Health Care Security Act which would provide universal coverage by requiring all employers with fewer than 5,000 employees to provide insurance through an alliance. Businesses would provide 80% of the average premium in the alliance area for their employees and eligible family members, and employees would pay the remainder depending on the plan they choose. Although the president's plan gives us a vehicle to begin the health care debate, 
I and many others have strong reservations about some of its provisions. In its current form, it would create a healthcare system that would be much too costly and complex. I can read that again. In its current form, it would create a healthcare system that would be much too costly and complex. Uh, we must reform the system without creating a huge government bureaucracy. I just laugh when I read that, by the way. We must reform the system without creating a huge government bureaucracy that only adds more layers of administrative red tape. Remember, we have $31 trillion of debt and $162 trillion of unfunded liabilities. Many outstanding concerns must be resolved, such as tort reform, financing the new system, let me read that again, financing the new system, and protecting Medicare, etc., etc., etc. Some reform opponents have argued that our present health care system is adequate and only a few minor incremental changes are needed. However, our present system has left an estimated 37 million, including 55,000 North Dakotans, without adequate health insurance coverage. The United States now spends over 14% of its gross domestic product on health care. By the way, side note, from let's just say from like 1985, 1990, in terms of those things that we consume that have increased at the greatest level, the two that have increased the, at the greatest level are the cost of higher education and the cost of health care. Just thought I'd say, just thought I'd say that. Without reform, this figure could rise as high as 17.5% by the year 2000. A recent Families USA study showed that North Dakota families, North Dakota families now pay an average of 17.4%. Clearly, this is an enormously complex issue that requires a great deal of debate and effort. Please know I intend to work as hard as possible as a member of the Senate Finance Committee to develop a rational, equitable health care system for all Americans. I also appreciate your comments regarding the balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. I remain deeply concerned about the damage the federal budget deficit is doing to our nation's economy. Since 1980, the national debt in this country has quintupled, and we have gone from being the largest creditor nation in the world to being the largest debtor. For too long, the tough choices necessary to bring the federal budget deficit under control simply were not made. While we made good progress last year on reducing our nation's federal budget deficit, much remains to be done. And I could go on and on and on. It is a very, very interesting letter to say the least. Now let me get to Senator Dorgan's speech on the floor. Madam President, Madam President, I thank you very much for recognizing me, and I thank the Senator from Illinois. I have long resisted efforts to change the U.S. Constitution. I have voted against amendments dealing with such subject as abortion, prayer in schools, and even flag burning. Some of them were difficult votes. It was obviously difficult 
to vote against a constitutional amendment that would have prohibited flag burning. Polls at the time showed that most people believed that the amendment should have passed. I did not happen to believe in changing the Constitution to do that. So I have long resisted measures to change the Constitution. But today, I will vote to support a change in the Constitution to require a federal a balanced federal budget. I am convinced that it is the right thing to do and the necessary thing to do. I'm going to repeat that. I am convinced that it is the right thing to do and the necessary thing to do. Every day, our annual federal deficits add to the towering federal debt. In my judgment, this debt threatens our country. In my judgment, this debt threatens our country. We are selfishly spending resources that belong to our children. Unless we change the course, we will leave our children with a crushing debt rather than a foundation for a better economic future. Unless we change the course, we will leave our children with a crushing debt rather than a foundation for a better economic future. A constituent called me today and implored me not to vote for the amendment. We need these federal spending programs, he said. I told him if we need them, then we should pay for them. If we are unwilling to pay for them, maybe we do not need them. One way or another, all of us agree we need to change our country's fiscal policy. I will vote to try to force that to happen. This may be the most important part of his letter. I did not aspire to serve in the Congress to be a trustee in a bankruptcy. I repeat, I did not aspire to serve in the Congress to be a trustee in bankruptcy. This country is $4.4 trillion in debt and heading to $8 trillion in debt. I am determined to help force in whatever way necessary what all of us know in our hearts we must do. Stop spending money we do not have. I'm going to repeat that. Stop spending money we do not have. So this is a vote that I will cast for my children. As I have said before, the senator from Illinois and his colleagues served the country by bringing this to the Senate today. That was written, and it was uh, he read that on the floor of the Senate chambers, March 1st, 1994. We were $4.4 trillion in debt. We are now $31 trillion in debt, and we have $162 trillion of unfunded liabilities. So why did I just go through all that? It's time for us to really start paying attention to how the work is done in our capital. We cannot continue to keep doing what we're doing. I have great concern about the future of our country. Not me so much, gosh. I'm at an age where it's pretty hard to do you know, almost irreparable damage to me, frankly, when it comes to my retirement, my 401k, all that kind of thing. 
But for my kids and then their kids, my grandkids, we, we must do a better job. I did not aspire to serve in the Congress, to be a trustee in bankruptcy. And that's what they're all doing right now. I, I, you know, I appreciate everybody that puts their name on a ballot, whether they win or not. And, but when you win, you have responsibilities. Stop spending money we don't have. This is way out of control. My hope is now that we have really split, split Congress, we have the House that will be um, in charge by the Republicans. I mean, they're, they're, they're leading the House, the Senate, the Democrats, and of course, the president is a Democrat. It's time to work together. It's time to address these very, very significant challenges. And it's not just the budget. we got a whole boatload of them. But this one is really, really important. Well, there you go. I wanted to share that with you. It was three things. Holidays, really important time to be with family and friends and loved ones. Be thankful for the ways that we're blessed in this incredible country. Take time to pause and say thank you. And for me, thank you, Lord, for the way you bless me. Spend quality time. If you have guests or you want to be a guest, let me know at mikeseminary at gmail.com. And I wanted to read a couple of letters from our congressional delegation in response to what my dad wrote in March of 1994. I've got a lot more of those letters. Every once in a while, I'm going to share some. My dad was my hero, my mentor. He's really the one that kind of got me interested in politics. That's a whole other story for another time. There you go. Love you all. Have a great day.